Welcome to Drink Beer, Think Beer, the podcast that gets to the bottom of every pint. I'm John Hall. There's a relationship between beer and food that spans beyond flavor. It goes into creativity and passion. And when they come together, it can be magical. Travis Zielstra of Montana's By All Means Brew Lab is here to explain. But first, All About Beer is back online and producing original content for beer enthusiasts and professionals. Visit allaboutbeer.com to see the latest. And if you want to support us in that endeavor, we've set up a Patreon for both readers and professional companies in the beer space. And you can check out patreon.com slash allaboutbeer to learn more. And for more audio content, search All About Beer on your podcast platform of choice and listen to the shows that are now available. We're able to bring you this show each week thanks to the companies that support independent journalism in the beer space. You can learn more about our surprisingly affordable rates by emailing sponsor at beeredge.com. Speaking of that, today's episode is sponsored by the Harpoon Brewery. Did you know that Harpoon IPA is New England's original IPA? Brewed in Boston and Vermont for decades by their employee owners. Hoppy, crisp, perfectly balanced. Harpoon IPA, New England's original IPA. You can visit harpoonbrewery.com to learn more. And are you headed to Colorado for the GABF? You should check out the Denver Rare Beer Tasting on October 7th. It's an incredible afternoon of beer passion featuring America's top craft breweries pouring rare, exotic, and vintage brews to benefit the Pints for Prostates campaign. This is truly a bucket list event for a great cause where you get to try beers you won't find elsewhere. And you can meet the men and women who brewed them. For more information, visit pintsforprostate.org. I met Travis Zielstra more than a dozen years ago at the first Saver event in Washington, D.C. He was pouring beers for the brewery he worked for at the time, and we struck up a conversation about beer and food, natural given the event, but it stuck with me for quite some time. He's done his turn in kitchens and preparing menus and thinking about the way flavors interact and can delight. And now, as the head brewer of By All Means Brew Lab in Billings, Montana, he can think about how the beers interact with the food offerings and how he wants the beers to present after turns with various ingredients and in wood. Ever thoughtful and passionate, there's a lot to dive into. So let's do just that. Here's our conversation. When you first decided that you wanted to have a career in beer, what was the impetus? What was the what was the spark that was ignited that you said, yeah, this is what I want to do? So it was for me to get into the beer industry was complete accident. And so I went to culinary school and it was a two-year program in Portland, Oregon, and then moved back to Billings, Montana, where I currently reside. And was working in a kitchen for one of the, you know, founding um, local, really kind of um, farm-to-table restaurants many, many months ago. And I had befriended, you know, the one of the kitchen staff, and he was also part-time assistant brewer at Montana Brewing Company in downtown Billings. And he decided that he wanted to move to Colorado, and so. We were having a conversation. He was bringing in homebrew, and um, he was like, "Hey, if if you want to learn how to make beer, why don't you um, throw your name in the ring, and um, I can at least get you an interview." And so 
being, you know, fresh out of culinary school, kind of looking at the whole culinary scene, it was very intriguing. And um, I took the chance, applied and, and was accepted for the job. It was just a part-time gig, mostly manual labor. And I would work both in the kitchen during the week and in the brewery um, when I had time. And it was just, it was kind of more towards where my mindset was and that were, and what I mean by that is um, science and it was a little bit more in depth um, and not that culinary isn't, it was just at that time it was, it was, I just got really nerdy and just kept following that. And so that's how it happened. Eventually I um, switched roles and was full-time assistant brewer and part-time in the kitchen at Walker's Grill. And then, um, yeah, just full steam ahead in the brewing industry. So that's really how I got into it. a couple of years later, I I had to get out of it just because my role was diminished. Just um, they were they wanted to cut back on the on the on the brewing side, so I, I went back into the culinary field for three to four years, and then jumped back into the brewing um, scene um, when I had the opportunity. When you jumped back into the culinary scene from brewing, though, do you feel like your cooking had evolved? Uh, your your mindset for food because you're talking about the scientific side of beer and i wonder if that was something that you you brought with you from the brew house to the kitchen when you went back during a brewing break most definitely i mean when i went back in the culinary scene it was an up-and-coming kind of farm-to-table restaurant um in billings also which is you know still in operation to this day, um, had great mentors, um, just, and like you said, it it was a different perspective coming out of culinary school. My eyes were just super wide open and, and I was absorbing everything, but really wasn't defining what I was absorbing. And so the second stint, it was more focused on intent. Why are you adding you know, certain ingredients or certain times in the process of, of in making a better product. So most definitely. Now, the reason I went back into the, you know, the brewing industry was your, the restaurant industry is hard. And uh, I felt like I wanted, after having a little taste of the brewing I felt like that was just more my my direction in life. So that's why I kind of pivoted back there. I, I've heard people make the comparison between uh, working in a restaurant kitchen and working in a brewery and just that it is long hours and sometimes thankless and you know, creative, but also you know, physically, physically hard. Um, so totally agree. Um, you're working in hot environments, you're working in close quarters. Most of the high percentages of the breweries, you know, are 
lack of space is, is one of the factors that is just a reality of the business. Yeah. And it's the same thing with the kitchen. You know, you're trying to keep your revenue center as large as, as possible and your manufacturing is um, minimal as possible. So that that is definitely a thing. The One of the things that the monotony of a kitchen. So you, and this is a story I tell everyone when they ask me why I'm no longer um, in a kitchen. And we, we used to do catch the day, um, meat of the day. And okay. so every day I would cut a specific steak or a specific fish. And, you know, let's say it's 30 pieces of each. And you'd go through that during the rush of the evening. And then the next morning you'd get there and you would prepare for the next evening. And it was essentially a monotonous of, okay, I need 30 more pieces of fish, 30 more um, steaks cut. And even though on a nightly basis, there is this appreciation from the customer, the sense of accomplishment kind of got lost. And so when I, when you compare that to, the brewing industry in my mindset was I spent a whole day and I filled that fermenter or I emptied that fermenter in whatever fashion. And there was a little bit more sense of accomplishment. The, the kitchen behind the scenes was just um, kind of more of like a groundhog day kind of scenario. And after years and years and years, it's just, uh, it just got really, really gray of like, do people even like this? Do, um, is, is this rewarding enough? And that's really one of the main factors that I just felt like I wanted a little bit more sense of accomplishment on a, on a daily and weekly basis. I, it's interesting because you describing cutting the meat or you know that monotonous and gray – and this hasn't been a lot of conversations, but I've I've definitely had conversations with brewers that have fallen into, I wish I was doing something else, but our hazies sell really well and I need to make hazies all the time because that's what, yeah. And, and, and that spark is sort of out of them when I'm having these conversations as well. Um, you can fall into that, 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 that trap, I imagine in brewing as well, if you're if you're sort of stuck in that, you know, it's, it's Tuesday, it's prime rib night, that kind of thing. You know, honestly, that sense of accomplishment scenario that, that I explained to you is, is, uh, really simplistic. And when you think about, let's say any industry you're talking about, um, a car industry, you know, they want to release new cars every year. And, but at the end of the day, they have flagships and it's the same thing with, with the breweries and also with restaurants is you, you have to realize that there are stuff that you just, you have to do. Cause that's, that's your, that's your gravy. That's what, um, yeah. you know, turns on the lights for lack for a cliche, but, um, and it's, you know, it's, it's mentally hard and there's, there's a lot of 
monotony to a lot of industries. And we wish there was a little bit more creativity and a little bit more fun. I think it's, um, that is kind of done by supervisors and leadership. And, and, and I'm honestly, you know, I, I've had bad stretches of not been able to bring that to the table for staff at breweries that I worked at. And it's hard to kind of reflect on a weekly basis or even a daily basis of, you know, we're just making beer. Let's, let's try to make this a little bit more enjoyable than the mechanism of turning out IPA and hazy IPA, you know, through it throughout the week throughout the month throughout the year and um yeah it's i see that and you gotta try to make the environment fun and but also at the end of the day it's it's what puts food on the table and stuff like that so So, as a thoughtful brewer and i and i know you as a thoughtful brewer where are you looking for creativity and inspiration these days like knowing that you know you have to make the ipas and 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 maybe you enjoy making the ipas i i I don't know i haven't asked you yet but where are you looking for or where are you finding the inspiration that still gets you jazzed to head into the brewery so by all means here in billings we've been running or open for a little about three years and open previously several, a couple months, let's say four or five months before COVID hit. The initial concept was um, tap room, Latin cuisine and beers with a rotational um, kind of an experimental lab kind of concept. So in the last three years, it's been where your question is asking is, is we have done a lot. We've done malt um, procurement from all over the world and even, you know, hyper local. We've done hops from all over the world. And I, I know everyone else has done the same thing. It's just we, I think, essentially produced and I can't remember off the top of my head, but 35 different beers last year in the last calendar year. And that was with, you know, different hops, different malts, different yeast, um, and multiple combinations of those, um, different styles, um, from the farmhouse to IPAs to loggers, um, Kavik yeast, um, just really a lot of creative stuff. And, so it's been very rewarding. Now that I bring that up, we have come to a phase um, with our marketing. We have we have a logger series, we have a farmhouse series, we have an IPA series, and we've been just changing numerical numbers. So it's a three-digit number, and we are in the single digits in some of the series up to double digits and we're getting to the point now for our retailers and our customers is the number system is really, really confusing. So 
<laughs> I mean, I'll bet. We have, yeah. We yeah. have logger five out right now and we're coming out with sour six and we're on IPA 18 and, you know, people come in and they just go, Hey, I just, IPA 13 is fantastic. And you're like, um, can you remember what that was? Cause I've forgotten. Right. And so, um, <laughs> No, and also, really. also, I'm glad that that was good for you. Have you tried the 17? Yeah, right, it's exactly. yeah. <laughs> um, so we're just we're now in this evolution of the business of pairing it back and kind of focusing on what the customers really like, whether it was in velocity or comments coming back. So back to an earlier question of yeah. the monotony of it. Now you know, we've been very lab centric and exploring different things and trying to try new things. Now we're narrowing and coming to essentially what people really want and get into a repetitive mode of maybe taking IPA 13 and putting some sort of, name to it and, and focusing on that. So, yeah. Um, I mean, and that's also got to help with, with, with distro as well. Right. Because once you get out there, you know, the numbers are going to be tough to. Yes. Tough it's to all, track. it's yeah. just, you know, it all sounded great on paper, you know, where, you know, you're hoping to get to volume 99, but uh, we've, we've done really, we've, done a lot of ipas like i said we're on 18 and we're brewing 19 tomorrow cool. um but there's only so much <laughs> there's not 99 versions of ipa i mean i in theory there is but the consumer can't really differentiate that so yeah we're at that that point of refocusing um now another thing that we've in the creativity part is we have five fooders at by all means which in my um career i've never dealt with them so we brought those online um late 19 early 2020 and now we just released one six weeks ago and today we're packaging our second one so that's where we have this really fun creativity outlet and it, it's just at the very tip of the iceberg so um there's some people are going to hear this podcast and be you know somewhat of like i wish i could i was in that position i mean yeah. we're in a really good position on the creativity side more in just a moment, but first, thanks to the companies that help keep us on the air. If you'd like to help out the show, you can reach out to sponsor at beeredge.com. And today's episode is sponsored by the Harpoon Brewery. Did you know that Harpoon IPA is New England's original IPA? Brewed in Boston and Vermont for decades by their employee owners, it's hoppy, crisp, and perfectly balanced. Harpoon IPA, New England's original IPA. Visit harpoonbrewery.com to learn more. And are you headed to Colorado for GABF? You should check out the Denver Rare Beer Tasting on October 7th. It's an incredible afternoon of beer passion, featuring America's top craft breweries pouring rare, exotic, and vintage brews to benefit the Pines for Prostates campaign. 
This is truly a bucket list event for a great cause where you get to try beers you won't find elsewhere and meet the men and women who brewed them. For more information, visit pintsforprostates.org. And now let's get back to the conversation. I want to jump back to something else that you said, and then I want to jump back to wood, but um, uh, with malt, uh, bringing it in from around the world, um, certainly where you are uh, in that part of the country, um, there's no shortage of you know, grain. Um, and you know, even even some, some local options as well. I remember visiting Montana a couple of years ago and just being absolutely smitten by how many red ales and brown ales and scotch ales and all of these great malt forward styles uh, were available at the various breweries. And granted, I wasn't in billing, so I, I, I don't I don't know how it is in, in, in your area. But again, uh, being a, 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 a East Coaster painting with a broad brush. Um, I, I imagine you know, being in the breadbasket has to inform some of the beers and just sort of push people towards that's what they want to drink. Is, is, is that a fair characterization? Yeah, I, I, it's totally fair. And it is out of the norm in Montana that, Honestly, Scotch ale is probably, or brown ale is probably the number one or two styles consumed, you know, on a per capita basis. Um, it's, and it just, you go to other markets and you say, this is, this is our, our horse, which sells. Yeah. And people just like, what are you talking about? Like, Where's your IPA? Stuff like that, and yeah. it's it's there's a different here, and I, and I can't really put my finger on why it's, but people really like the malt forward beers in Montana, and um, from the experience of by all means, IPAs are our number ones, but mm-hmm. um, and in Eastern Montana, beers tend to be on the on the wheat beer spectrum of styles. So um, kind of a little lighter on the Eastern part of Montana. It, as, as a brewer though, it is, is that fun to have that license uh, or that, that consumer permission to be messing around with malts as opposed to, you know, again, you know, I, I, in talking with brewers, it's always, well, what's your new IPA? What's your new, um, but having a, a, a built-in customer base that's receptive to malt forward styles and, and, and looking for them and interested in them. Is, is that a fun challenge for you as a brewer? So me specifically, I tend to consume the malt forward beers more so than IPAs. Yeah, we'll go in with a, a group of brewers, and you know how it is. They're all standing in line. They're looking at the chalkboard or whatnot, and they're just, you know, I'll have that IPA and that IPA and the hazy IPA, and I'm I'm the guy that'll go, hey, let's let's do that Scottish ale or brown ale or mild, and um, 
if it's really hot out, let's let's go to a pilsner or something. So I tend to be in that kind of segment and it's it's fun. It's it's also kind of unfulfilling, especially when you release a beer of that kind of genre and the velocity isn't there and you kind of go, man, people are just missing out. And I want to give you a little experience. You know, we live in the untapped world where people rate beers. And one of the things that really blows my mind is when we do a malt forward beer, someone will taste it. And when they comment, they're like, this really isn't my jam, but this one is really good. And then they give it two and a half stars. And you're just like, huh, <laughs> like what can we, I, I know we live in this IPA world, but it's just yeah. kind of like, it's just, it's crazy. And um, I, why do you read those? I don't know. I don't know. I think it's just, um, I don't take any of it to heart. Um, the reason I read them is if there is a major flaw, like if someone posts on there, this is sour or whatnot, some sort of bad descriptor for a beer. I like to reach out to them and say, you know, where did you get that? You know, can you give me the package date on it? Um, I just, I feel like sometimes the screaming on that app, um, they're just looking for someone to interact with them and say, let's get that fixed. That is the main reason. And then sometimes you just get caught in the, the doom scrolling of like, uh, this is, we're talking is it, about beer here. This isn't, uh, is, is it only the bad reviews or do you take, if somebody says something nice, do you take that to heart or is it really, I, I just know as a, as, as an author, like when people post about the books, I always remember, um, the shitty things people have to say and not necessarily the good ones. Are you able to, to take the good out of, out of those, or is it really just doom scrolling? I think, I think what's, what the human element is, is when we get a good review or someone says way to go and they rate it high and they have good comments. I'm really looking for the both of someone commenting and rating because someone just putting ratings down. Um, some it's just kind of checking a box in the in the world that we live in and not really embracing the beer but if someone gives it a you know an above average rating and have good comments um the human element in me is like you know that person really knows what they're talking about yeah you know um i i you kind of validate the individual more than the beer that they're talking about and you're like if i see anything if i can remember this person's name and see anything in the future. I mean, I'm going to, I'm going to hone in on um, their comments and, and their ratings. And that's not even, that's not even good either. You're just, you're just picking cherry picking 
you know, from the good and, and assuming that those are better Raiders than the others. So it, it's, it's a no win situation. Do you evaluate other people's beer, professional beer? I do, but it's personal. Um, I've been in this industry long enough and people in the region, you know, recognize who I am. And, and if I go into um, a brewery venue, it, it usually ends up where they bring me beer and they're usually super excited about it as they should be. And they just stand there and kind of stare. Right. And they're right. like, what do you think? And you just, you just, you, you, um, cheer them on. Um, and, and if there's something, you know, wrong with the beer, you just, you just talk about it in a positive way. And that's hard, but I, I try to just keep it all personal and drink the beer yeah. and have a good conversation. But unfortunately some positions, they just, they, they really want to know your opinion yeah. and it's a tough position to put people in, but mm-hmm. it's, it's part of the job. I, I want, you know, I, I want to empower these, you know, these fellow brewers that are, you know, in our, the region to just, at least ask me, I mean, I, I feel honored, but just, I, I try to answer them in a positive way if need be. And if, if it's got some flaws to it, I, I, I do it in a positive way of like, Hey, what do you, you know, how do you do this step? And they can explain it to me and like, you know, this is how we do it. I think maybe if you want to come by and check out the place, we'd love to give you a tour and, and show you how we do things. Just kind of stuff like that. Not yeah. necessarily finger point. Yeah. You know. But it's a fun dynamic and sometimes it's awkward. <laughs> um, so you mentioned fooders, you mentioned wood um, and there's, I, I've been having a lot of fun conversations with folks about uh, wood as the fifth ingredient. And, uh, you know, and I know you can insert pretty much anything as the fifth ingredient, uh, uh, you know, carbonation, or you know, there, there's, there's always been a, a variety of things that, that people slot into, uh, into, into that phrase. But um, I think there's been some really cool things done with wood in the last couple of years uh, that don't necessarily need to be, um, you know, oh, we had Sauvignon Blanc in here. We've had bourbon in here and here, you know, some rare bourbon or, you know, we got tequila barrels or, or whatever. Um, there's just some cool things coming out of, especially, you know, fooders these days of just brewers getting wood that appeals to their taste buds and then applying the beer to it. Um, what's been your approach when, you know, adding a new fooder or thinking about what you want to have your, your turn in wood or it's turn so, in wood, I should say. Yeah. Yeah. So our position on the fooders is these are brand new first time use. We have five. We re- we're releasing the second one um, soon packaging this week. Um, the, 
and this is how when I give tours to the brewery, people are in awe of the fooders. They're, they're displayed for the tap room. We have five of them stacked um, log style, three on the bottom, two on top, and, and they do look spectacular. When I have this conversation, four of the fooders are spontaneous, and then one of them is mixed culture. And we don't have the seasoning on those fooders where we want them. And I would like to have turned those fooders sooner than later, but the whole um, 2020, 2021 scenario just didn't allow for it. So what I say to people in the tours, these are like cast iron skillets. The first time you use a cast iron skillet, it works, but after subsequent uses, it's a better cast iron skillet. So we have these fooders that are working, but we really need some microbes to really embed themselves in them. So we are releasing them now and they are very wood heavy. So we're doing a lot of blending with fruits and um, uh, Sauvignon Blanc barrels, you know, pulling some of it out, putting in some wine barrels that have their second or third use and kind of um, change the wood component. So that's where we're at now. And we're, we are proud of what's coming out, but we are excited on subsequent turns of those fooders. And we, the one that we're releasing this week, or I'm sorry, packaging this week, is delicious. And <laughs> it's good to, yeah. It really, it really wasn't what we were going for, right? Our original intent was more of tropical fruit. This is the mixed culture one, and it is just super stone fruit. We've aged it on strawberries and you taste it and strawberries are noticeable in a faint way, but it just, it feels and tastes like peach cobbler, right? With a hint of rosemary and the rosemary is what I am getting from the wood. Some of our other tasters are getting different kind of wood components, but I I really liken the rosemary descriptor just because when we move forward in releasing this and promoting this beer i think the public can comprehend that term instead of just oak or tannins or or stuff like that so um yeah it's it the whole food or scenario is super exciting but we're just we can't wait till version two version three version 10 yeah as the beer industry has evolved there's definitely been food i think has has played a strong role in pushing the story of small batch beer of you know micro brew and then craft and now independent and now whatever we're calling it these days um but food has been the constant and food has evolved along with beer and 
I know you still think about beer and food pairings uh, quite a bit, and you're uh, uh, you know, somebody who, who's, whose palate I trust um, uh, quite, a, quite a bit when it comes to pairings. Where, where do you think we are as a collective whole of, of beer drinkers with the intersection of beer and food right now? I believe the evolution of beer and food is really starting to be something bigger than traditional pairings. I know, you know, being from New York and me traveling to larger cities, usually for judging um, beer competitions, I'm just going to point out it's Jersey, by the way. I'm not going to sorry. take credit for it. Yeah. No, it's fine. It's just, yeah. it's, you know, we are There's fiercely, we are yes, fiercely regional around here. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, no, I, I get it. You know, we're. Plus a Jersey's a better Wyoming food state. It's, so, yeah. Yeah. Um, so I just, you know, you probably experience the beer and food pairing at a different level than what we do in you know the mountain west but i think it's really changing as in instead of just the traditional pairings um we've noticed it with we're doing the latin cuisine and people are tasting beer with tacos and it's not corona or modelo and they're just blown away, you know. We'll go back to this IPA theme, you know, mm-hmm. IPA and tacos is can be a really fantastic combination. And, you know, in our region, it's just really starting to people understanding that beer is just not beer and peanuts and, and beer and hot dogs, beer and brats. And so, um, we have a long ways to go to catch up to the major metropolitan areas um a lot of the stigma in our market is wine and and food is the preferred way to eat and drink at the same time and and it's 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 a work in progress let's say that makes sense is have you had anything recently that you've been smitten by Food or beer or both? Or both, as far as like a pairing or yeah, that's dealer's choice. Um, smitten by. Or insert your own. Uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Adjective. Yes. Descriptor there. Yes. I, I really man that that question is really got me quiet here i i apologize I, I, no 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 I that's fine okay yeah. if it comes to you um as you know on this show uh i have been asking folks the green door question and the setup being there's a television show called the good place and Uh, And the final season, there's this concept of being able to walk through a green door and you can be anywhere at any point in time with whoever you want. And so 
if there was such a door on this point of existence and this conversation was coming to an end and you were able to walk through the door and be at any pub or any brewery anywhere in the world, where would you want to go? Who would you want to be with? And what would you like in your glass? So the answer to the, on the, the, who I want to drink with would be my grandfather on my mom's side and my grandmother on my father's side. Um, and it's, and the reason for it is I have so many more questions that I didn't get asked. And now, you know, being in my mid forties, you just really have questions that you wish you would have asked. And so I would like that opportunity. And one of the things that I really love about beer is it's an experience over conversation. So it's, it's perfect for this kind of scenario and both of my grandparents um, on each side, I had very awesome experiences in the Pacific Northwest. I have some um, history with Pelican Pub and Brew, um, Brewery mm-hmm. in Pacific City. So I'm going to say Kawanda Cream Ale, Pacific City, Oregon, with uh, Grandpa Kao and Grandma Martha, and just asking them the questions that I have. So that's the answer. I love it. I think that's great. It has been too long since we have had pints in person, my friend. So I hope that uh, in the coming months, if not sooner, we're able to we're able to do that because it's 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 always a good time, and I really appreciate you being on the show and sharing your insight. And I'm going to encourage everybody, obviously, to get out to Billings if uh, if they're able, because I've always enjoyed drinking your beer, and I think everybody else will too. So, thanks for doing the show this week. Yes. Uh... Thank you. I appreciate it. Hey, speaking of food and beer, by all means, and Travis are featured in the Craft Brewery Cookbook. It's on sale now where books are sold. So get a copy today. All About Beer is back online. So go to allaboutbeer.com and catch up with great content. And you can always keep in touch with me. If you have questions, comments, guest suggestions, you can email me. It's John Hall. That's J-O-H-N-H-O-L-L at beeredge.com. Or you can get with me on Twitter at John underscore Hall. Go check out beeredge.com for our This Week in Rauk Beer and Defend Pilsner merch. You can follow along on social media at The Beer Edge. And of course, This Week in Rauk Beer is also online. The Facebook group is easy to search. And on Twitter and Instagram, it's at TW Rauk Beer. We're able to bring you this show each week thanks to the companies that want to support independent journalism in the beer space. If you'd like to learn more about our surprisingly affordable rates, please reach out to sponsor at beeredge.com. And speaking of that, today's episode is sponsored by the Harpoon Brewery. Did you know that Harpoon IPA is New England's original IPA? Brewed in Boston and Vermont for decades by their employee owners, it's hoppy, crisp, and perfectly balanced. Harpoon IPA. New England's original IPA. Visit harpoonbrewery.com to learn more. 
And if you're headed to Colorado for the GABF, you should be checking out the Denver Rare Beer Tasting on October 7th. It's an incredible afternoon of beer passion, featuring America's top craft breweries pouring rare, exotic, and vintage brews to benefit the Pints for Prostates campaign. This is truly a bucket list event for a great cause where you get to try beers you won't find elsewhere and meet the men and women who brewed them. For more information, visit pintsforprostates.org. All About Beer has a podcast channel now. Search and subscribe on your podcast platform of choice. Steal This Beer has new episodes every Monday, and the BYO Nano podcast comes out on the 15th of every month. And one more reminder, go visit allaboutbeer.com. As for this show, Nate Schweber does the music, Jeff Quinn designed our logo, and I'm John Hall. New episodes release every Wednesday, and that's when I'm going to be back again to drink beer and to think beer. <laughs>